Hello, Lisa. Hello, Diana. Welcome to Should We? A podcast with potential. (laughs) So, Lisa, I have some updates from our past episodes. Okay, uh, tell me your updates, and then after that, I really want to set the scene. (laughs) Okay, great. So, very quickly, the Swedish shoes. Yes. They're back. No way. Yes. In past episodes, multiple, I've discussed a pair of shoes that I feared was gone forever, discovered by writing to the company was going to come back, um, but had to like check their website on a loop in order to learn when they were finally there. And uh, how many pairs do you think I ended up getting? I'm going to guess three. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's a really perfect number. It's a really perfect number. So there were three colors available and not a one of them was the gray that I was most interested in, but Mm. I think that's just not coming back. That's the thing I need to let go of. Um, The rest of the colors were decent and I decided that um, I can have a life with three different pairs of Swedish shoes. Um, So what are the new colors? So they are bright blue, bright blue leather. Wait, all three are blue? No. no. Um, one of them is bright blue leather, one of them is uh, light brown, and one of them is dark brown. Oh, this is really nice. Okay, now I'm wondering, are you going to wear them, like, all start wearing all of them at once or save certain ones for later? The plan is to just let my feet speak. Like, I wake up <laughs> in the morning... And whichever one seems like it's the medicine I need for the day, whether it takes me six months or two weeks to wear the gray blue pair for the first time, it'll be for a reason. Okay. Wow. Diana, this is so exciting. Also, I just remembered something about these shoes. Didn't you buy the first pair like when we were together mm-hmm. in Berlin? We were actually eating lunch, I think, mm-hmm. and we were eating lunch next to the store. And you just went in, and it was like, "Whoa, these shoes were meant for you!" And you just came out with the perfect shoes. So, exactly. Well, um, they carry the magic of our friendship with them, which <laughs> I'm sure is part of my attraction to them. So that's one update. Update number two, uh, we spoke several episodes ago about night guards. Mm-hmm. I am happy to report that I went to the dentist yesterday and I remembered my night guards, so they cleaned it. Oh, Diana, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm so proud of you. But only because of you. I wouldn't have even known it was an option had we not discussed it on the podcast. It's totally an option, which I did not take advantage <laughs> of last time, but I'll keep it in mind for the future. Yeah, I I will say that I'm sure it's uh, germ-wise very clean, but aesthetically it still looks terrible. Oh, that's disappointing. Really disappointing. That's the main thing I wanted to take care of is, like, make it look better. But how good could it look? Right. You know, it's a night guard. Right. I mean, I think that problem is just unsolvable. Yeah. So... Somebody's got to solve that. Maybe that's our business. The night guard, the night guard that resists... Decay. The, the sexy night guard. <laughs> the sexy night guard. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be really hard because they have to be a certain thickness in order yeah. to actually prevent your jawbones from grinding together, as we've right. discussed. So yeah. it's like Coke mm-hmm. bottle glasses. How hip can you make Coke bottle glasses? Well, I, I mean, I'm up for a challenge. <laughs> um, okay, 
on that note, should I set the scene? Mm-hmm. It's a challenging okay. scene. Yeah, it's a challenging scene. So basically, I just want to wanna let everyone who's listening know what's happening here. Um, you know, we're, we've got some aspect of our usual setup, which is an iPhone in a glass. That's our, our microphone. Um, but the thing that's different is that this time we're at Diana's place, which has lovely high ceilings and hardwood floors. So we are under a blanket together on cute little stools. And um, it's a beautiful day in San Francisco. It happens to be 100 degrees. So we're doing like, we're doing like a sauna podcast. And we, there's like, you've got your... One of one phone has got a little light. What phone is this? This is my Android phone. So I have uh-huh. an Android phone. Uh, as a product manager, it's very important to experience both operating systems. Yes, so yes. I have an Android phone and I have an iPhone. And the Android is in a in a bowl with a white ceramic interior, and it's sort of tipped inside in such a way that the entire bowl is lit up. It's quite beautiful actually. Oh yeah, this this is this ambiance is wonderful. There's like on the one hand, you know, maybe it's the perfect lighting. On the other hand, like we could be in a horror movie or something or or like at camp under a blanket telling stories with a flashlight, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So anyways, now you can feel whoever you are like you're right here with us as we um, go through some of the questions that we're going to talk about today about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Exactly. So question number one, it's been on our list for a while. Oh yeah. Should we binge watch TV? (laughs) This is such a great question, but you know what? I feel like I say that about all of our (laughs) questions because I helped pick them. (laughs) Uh, but I have to say, this is a really good one. Um, should, should I tell you my feelings about this? Definitely. So actually, I think I'll tell you my experiences about this before I really answer the question. So there was a period when I first moved to San Francisco, and my husband was living in another country, and I was very lonely. You weren't here yet. Uh, I was starting a new job, Um, I was so tired, and I binge-watched TV to the max. And I had never even been very into TV before. I hadn't had a TV since childhood, so I was watching it on my computer, obviously, as I still do. And I just got into so many shows, The Good Wife, um, of course, that I had watched Downton Abbey. Um, what else was it? Oh, House of Cards. I got really into that. Nashville. Oh, man. I love Nashville. Then later, Empire. I just, I have so many shows. And it got a little extreme. So after that first year, I, I really cut back very dramatically. I also like didn't feel like watching as much TV anymore. I, I made friends, <laughs> uh, and I was reading more. Um, so so I feel like there was there was a point where binge watching TV 
felt so good, so soothing and comforting. And then I kind of went over the edge where binge watching TV felt bad. It felt gross. And when you say binge watching, what's the threshold we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) You know, in my worst moments, I would, I would like come home from work and watch TV like, you know, till 2 a.m. or something on on an occasional night, like if I was very stressed and I and I just couldn't sleep. Um, uh, yeah, but now binge watching TV for me means like probably like watching three episodes mm-hmm. in a row. Yeah, an appropriate evening's amount. I mean, I wouldn't even really call that binge watching, but it's all relative. <laughs> um, and uh, it sounds from your experience like we could also ask, should we substitute people with TV? <laughs> Right. Also, should we should we watch TV with others as a way of connecting? Should we binge watch TV with other people? Yeah. And should we talk with other people about binge watching our shows and connect that way? I mean, it doesn't have to be so lonely. No. I mean, I think that comparing binge watching experiences is one of the great indulgences of our modern age. Like... Um, it's a very, it has some sort of like appeal where it seems sort of shameful, but you know, it's really not because it's so normal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can compare these, um, it's a very safe topic to be vulnerable about at work because you can be like, oh my gosh, I binge watched this show. I'm so bad. You know, but it's (laughs) not like nobody really has like eating, I mean, people have eating disorders, so you can't really talk about like... You can't really be like, I ate a million cookies. I'm so bad because, like, people might get really worried about you. There's just so much emotional. There's so much else wrapped up in something like that. Right, exactly. Whereas TV, like, it's not really, I mean, it's just, it's addictive in the sense that it's suspenseful. And I'm sure there Mm -hmm. are people who, like, really go over the edge. But in general, you know, each episode has a natural stopping point and people somehow survived the first time it was aired. I'm not really going to make claims about whether there's like whether it's possible to have a TV watching problem or not, but I'm just going to say that in a work context, it feels like a much safer topic than a bunch of other indulgences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, when I feel like when I was in college, I, I really didn't watch much TV at all, and I really felt pretty out of the loop. I, I mean, I, was, I didn't pay much attention to pop culture at all so I couldn't really talk about you know there weren't easy topics at hand um that weren't just nerdy yeah you know and it was so comforting to realize that almost everyone loves tv almost everyone has a show yeah exactly and if you find that your shows don't match you can at least talk about the experience of how great it is to watch a show all in one big gulp yeah, so I think my answer to should we binge watch TV is like, doesn't everyone? Right, right. Is it even a question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I basically agree with that. I've had some recent binge watching experiences because I've unfortunately been sick a lot. So I had the flu for four or five days and then I got a cold for four or five days like a week and a half later. So, so unfair. So unfair. Um, the upside of this is that I basically couldn't do anything except watch TV. So um, during my first sickness, I watched an entire season of Jane the Virgin in like less than three days, possibly two. 
which is so, so much. I want to say it was a 24 or 27 episode season, and each of the episodes is 40 minutes long, so... It's, it's okay. It's okay. You don't, you don't have to, you know, m- mitigate your, your guilt. Yeah, I mean, it was an enormous amount of TV, but it was so pleasurable. Um, and then this most recent bout, I caught up on a bunch of shows that I have traditionally binge-watched, one of them being Game of Thrones, which I have some problems with, and one of them being uh, Downton Abbey, which I started the most recent season of. Um, by way of donating five dollars to PBS in a very uh, in a very funny way, so they have an iPad app um, slash a website where you can watch Downton Abbey, and to do so, you have to agree to donate five dollars. And that's when they give you access to streaming Downton Abbey. Oh, but that's is funny. that really donating? Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of things <laughs> like this. Yeah, it's a very weird. It was a very weird UX, I have to say, because mm. it was basically required, but all the language made it sound optional. Mm. I mean, it's required if you must watch Downton Abbey, which in that minute I had to, so. That was the entrance fee, but it was one of those, like, suggested donation tickets. But there was actually no way to accomplish it without, without paying the donation, so that was a weird experience. Um, But more historically, it's a grand family tradition in my family to select a show to binge watch every winter break, Um, Mm -hmm. and we've done all kinds of shows this way. We've done Homeland, We've done Breaking Bad. Um, we've done, uh, I can't even remember, but a lot of different shows. We did Fargo this winter, um, but Fargo was short. That was just one season, and then we didn't really watch the second season. Breaking Bad, we watched like as many seasons as there were, which I think is six, mm-hmm. in like 10 days. It was basically wow. a season a day. It was out of control, especially because that's such an, like, a, such an intense series. Um, I had nightmares about it for a really long time, but it's an extremely great bonding experience and a great excuse to veg out for people who have a really hard time relaxing. Um, But the challenge of finding a show that people are all interested in seeing and none of them have seen yet is Mm -hmm. like our great, uh, our great boondoggle. Oh yeah, I, I'm really having this problem because I watched so much TV while Steven was away. Then he came back and he just, I mean, it, it would be impossible to catch up with me. So we had to find our own shows to watch together. Parenthood was a good one for that, to, to binge watch yeah. together. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of another problem I have with binge watching TV shows, which is that I end up intensely identifying with characters' guilt and basically taking on taking it on as my own. And so well, I was in the mode of watching Parenthood not long ago, like last fall, and I thought I was enjoying it, but I just felt so bad about all the people I've wronged at all times mm-hmm. and like really was hyped up on some ethical quandaries. And, you know, in the end, I realized that if I just withdrew the parenthood viewing sessions, all of that went away. Like, it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. It was just my empathy with the characters. Oh, yeah. I take it so seriously. I can't... I mean, whatever show I'm binge-watching lately, I just see my whole life through the lens of that show. Does that happen What's a you? recent example? Um, well, I think... Uh, I don't know. Also, uh, I... 
think I only watch dramas. I love dramas. So basically, it's just any, any one of them. Uh, if I am watching too much of it, I realize that I'm like interpreting too much into any interaction. Like, oh, what does this really mean? Like, like I can almost hear the soundtrack in my head. And then I'm like, okay, wait, wait a second. My life is actually very boring. <laughs> it's not as dramatic as this show. Yeah, I really have to watch it because... Uh classic topic for these television shows is like relationship tension Mm -hmm. and I will like feel as though things are much harder in my like really pleasant stable relationship than Mm -hmm. they actually are and I have to really suppress my desire to like address the issue because there's no (laughs) issue (laughs) I just identify with characters without realizing that that's what I'm doing yeah yeah totally um well, the, I feel like we could talk about <laughs> binge-watching TV and about all of our shows for an entire episode, but I'm also very interested in our other questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think we should? <laughs> should we? <laughs> I think we should. Yeah, I think we should. Um, next question. Should we get notifications? Oh, Diana. Here's... Okay. I'm just going to say one little thing about this professionally, and then most of this conversation is going to be personally. Mm-hmm. But the, the caveat to this conversation is that both of us like create notifications oh, yeah. as part of our job. You know, So we have this intimate knowledge of the inner workings of this thing and thinking about the systems behind notifications. However, I want to decouple this conversation from that and just talk about our own experiences with notifications. So I have swung back and forth really drastically. Uh, there are times when I turn off all the notifications on everything, all of my apps, everything, the emails, the, the push notifications, whatever. There are times when I turn them all back on uh, I feel like right now I'm kind of in a happy medium where I've managed to mute most of the ones I don't care about and get the ones I want. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think about this, Diana? Well, you know, I have at times been very enamored of this philosophy that, you know, your attention is your most precious resource and you should never let anybody whisk it away from you without your permission. Um, and that life should just be one long sequence of un, you know, unbroken flow state episodes where you were doing exactly what you set out to do and nothing could get in your way. Like that has never been my reality though. And, uh, I don't even think it's really that admirable. Um, at least, you know, maybe I'm justifying it now, but you know, that's not actually the role I'm in. Like as a, as a PM, part of my job is to be interruptible and then like interruptible by default, but then to like have the willpower to enforce focus despite interruptions, if that's the highest priority thing. So Mm -hmm. I guess I've just decided that crafting a world without interruption is not realistic. Like the more important thing is to figure out how to maintain focus in spite of that and so where I'm at with notifications right now is that I was really restrictive about them for a long time and kept them off on almost all apps like especially on my 
On my iPhone, um, you know, apps always ask for the notification sending permission, and for a long time, I defaulted to no. Mm-hmm. Once I started working on notifications professionally, I started defaulting to yes because I thought it was important research. But now I'm kind of fine with it. Like as long as I don't feel an obligation to clear all the notifications, mm-hmm. you know, what produces anxiety for me is seeing a bunch of uh, open loops that I believe need to be closed. But whether I believe they need to be closed or not is largely up to me, with the exception being badges. I can't abide badges on app icons. No, I hate them. Interesting. So even if I'll allow push notifications, I'll often turn off the the badge, the little number in the red circle, because somehow like I can't turn off my desire to clear the badge Mm, wow i'm really into badges right now actually whoa so what happened for me particularly with facebook and twitter was that i kept getting sucked in when when i didn't want to it's basically the problem of like somebody somebody tagged you in a photo and you panic (laughs) wanting to control this and then I I would end up spending a bunch of time on Facebook um, when I didn't want to so I turned off notifications for both of those apps and badges and then like I'm kind of lonely I mean it's very boring when you think that no one's tagging you or nudging you or mentioning you ever it turns out they probably are it's just you turned off notifications or I did you know, so then it was kind of fun to go back and be like, wow, actually, they're like, I'm so loved. Everybody loves me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I realized I still didn't want to get interrupted by by those apps and others. So I turned on the badge so that I can like if I open up my phone and there's no no badges, I, I feel a little bit like no one needs me. Oh, no. I love the badges. Sometimes I, like, leave them there. It's fine. <laughs> I I have so many notifications that are just in purgatory. Unread or I didn't do whatever you're supposed to do, accept or decline. Mm-hmm. Just my phone is, like, all purgatory. <laughs> I'm sorry to everyone that I haven't responded to. It's just... It's hard. It's you know? hard. I want to feel that you're there, but I am sorry for not responding. I just wanted to be alone together. <laughs> That's all I wanted. So the badge is doing that for me. Uh, there's something else interesting about that approach, which is that you can process things contextually. So you can go through all Facebook things at once, and there's like the same set of actions available on all Facebook style units um and so the context switching of like what's possible on twitter versus what's possible on facebook is kind of annoying and then if it's really a context that is not high urgency but is occasionally relevant to you like processing them all in one go or at least glancing at them all in one go um reduces the mental overhead um but your comment about uh seeing the flood of notifications or not and feeling loved or not makes me realize that i carried over a habit from living in berlin that i'd never acknowledged until now which is that because berlin is nine hours behind um 
my entire U.S. life would happen while I was asleep in Berlin, Mm -hmm. which meant that every morning was like my birthday. I would wake (laughs) up and there would always be new stuff for me, new people nudging me, new people DMing me, new people mentioning me on Twitter. And so that got really exciting for me. And I still wake up every morning with the expectation that that will be the case. And it is not. Partly because I'm in person with so many of my U.S. friends now, like you, um, but partly because, like, I just don't, the time difference is not the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let that one go. Um, but what I was going to say related to that, which is, like, the morning moment of looking at notifications, is that for almost a year now, I've been in the habit of journaling and reading every morning before I quote-unquote check the internet which for me means, first and foremost, reading notifications. Mm. So when I use my phone as an alarm clock, I've trained myself to like blur my vision while I turn off the alarm clock so I don't see the notifications that have come in. Wow. And then as I open my computer, some notifications float into the right-hand corner and I like refuse to read those as well. And then after I do those things, then my big treat is that I get to check my notifications. So I have like a very positive association with them. Wow. Okay. Can I ask you about your Apple Watch? Yes. In relation to notifications. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, uh, to me, it seems like the Apple Watch is kind of like for notifications. That's kind of the whole point of the thing. Um, how, how do you relate to your Apple Watch? Um, My Apple Watch is exclusively uh, a vibrating alarm for me, basically. I like it. I still wear it every day, and I'm not precious about those things. Like, even though I paid a lot of money for it, if I didn't like it, I would just stop wearing it and feel bad. I wouldn't keep wearing it out of a sense (laughs) of obligation. Um, So I really like the fact that I can set timers on it, or I sometimes use it as my first alarm of the day in the hopes that I'll wake up without waking my partner, um, Mm -hmm. which rarely happens these days. But um, the notifications bit, I'm not actually so happy with right now, because uh, every time a notification comes in, it buzzes my wrist a little bit, but I actually miss important things sometimes now because everything knocks my wrist. Mm -hmm. So I was happier with the old world order where things would just like the ideal for me is actually having my phone on some version of do not disturb but then the notifications are coming in they're just not interrupting me but I have this like time ordered list of all of the new material in a bunch of different app contexts and then I can choose to enter those snippets as I choose as like is relevant to me okay now I have another question about do not disturb so I I realized that I have my phone on do not disturb pretty much all day because I'm usually in a meeting or I have a little block of time to get things done. So almost all day, except like on the way to work and on on the way back, my phone is on silent. Is that true for you too? Well, no, because the Apple Watch absorbs the buzzing of it in a way that nobody else can hear. So I actually will take it off of Do Not Disturb in the morning, but the phone never buzzes. That's the big problem with vibrating phones is if you put it on your desk or like you even keep it in your lap, people know, they hear. But the the Apple Watch vibrations are totally silent. I see. Well, the other reason I have my phone on Do Not Disturb all the time is because the... 
switch on the side to turn it to silent it broke like the second oh, day I no. had it. So like I can never really trust that it's not going to make a weird sound at an awkward moment. So I just over overcompensate. It's usually quiet. That's a good that's a good explanation. <laughs> Um, Lisa, I yes. think we have one more question. This, okay, I'm going to try not to say this is a great question. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this one. Okay, Diana, should we fear mercury poisoning? You weren't expecting that one, were you? Um, I had a recent experience that's relevant to this, so I, uh, I will confess to proposing the question. Um, the EPA says, don't. Don't fear mercury poisoning. If you're not <laughs> pregnant, don't worry about it too much. You'll probably do more harm by worrying mm. than from mercury. But, but Diana, how often has it worked for you that someone said, don't worry about this thing, and that made you not worry? Well, so, okay, here's the story, and then I'll explain my relationship to being told not to worry. So uh, I had this big dream to replace a light bulb in my apartment. And I've done this several times so far, and each time has gone swimmingly. So as Lisa mentioned at the top of the episode, very high ceilings. And so sometimes reaching the light bulbs is really challenging. So I clambered up on the kitchen counter and like reached my arm up to try to grab the, uh, the light bulb that was in like a pot light. So it was a recessed light. And uh, I started turning, and then I heard this horrible crunch and then shards of light bulbs started coming off <gasps> in my hands. But, like, I stepped down and I thought about it. And I was like, I know there's mercury in those light bulbs. They're CFL. I've heard of this before. That's why you have to recycle them the special way that I never want to do. And so I thought about it. And I was like, but I'm sure. I'm sure that no company could allow something into your house that could really kill you with just one smidgen of exposure. However, I'm sure it's not great to have it around. So I'm not going to do any research on the consequences until I solve this problem. So I went, I stepped down on the stool, I put on my uh, ski mask, and I put on some gloves, some of Eric's gloves, um, since I had a feeling that those gloves would have to be uh, disposed of as hazardous waste Damn later. Damn it, this story just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> so I put on the ski mask, I put on my gloves, and, you know, the ski mask has this amber tint, so I clamber back up on the kitchen counter. So, so you basically look like a burglar in your own house. I look like a burglar in my own house. I stare up at the light, which is fortunately off, through this amber-tinted lens, and once again, I tried to spin the light, and it just keeps crumbling. But at this point, I've put a bowl underneath to, like, catch the shards. I don't know what I was thinking. Like a food bowl that you put food in. And then it became clear to me that, in fact, this light bulb socket is not of the twisting kind. Um, what other kind is there? Beats me. I clambered right back down, finally did the research on what the EPA says you should do when you break a CFL bulb, and um, they said, like, air out the room, remove all children, and, like, ideally keep it that way for a few hours, but actually that's kind of overdoing it. Like, if you've ever, if this has ever happened before and you didn't take these precautions, like, don't worry, you know, you're probably fine. 
Um, so I was like, this is a mixed message. Yeah, this is a super mixed message. On the one hand, you're telling me to take this precaution. On the other hand, you're telling me if you didn't in the past, no big deal. So my solution to this was that I um, opened the windows and I went into the bathroom, closed the door, put down the toilet seat, uh, the toilet cover, and watched the latest episode of Girls on my phone um, via HBO Now. And Watching girls seems like a great solution to any stressful situation. Definitely. Because then I can empathize with their stress. Yeah. And externalize it. If I'm already feeling it, it doesn't. It actually cancels it out instead of making it worse. I could totally see Hannah in this situation. Mm, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah. And she's definitely not wearing any pants. Definitely not. And I might not have been either, to be <laughs> honest. So... Um, so anyway, uh, at the end of the day, I emailed the building's manager and, um, a, uh, a maintenance person came the next day and like without a ski mask managed to handle the removal of not only that light bulb, but the rest of the light bulbs. But actually I mistold the story earlier. I still believed at the, at the final point on day one, I still believed that it was a twist socket that I just hadn't twisted correctly. After the maintenance person had left, I realized my folly because it was a different type of socket and it was a type of socket that would not fit my dream light bulb that I had already purchased (gasps) and unboxed from Amazon. Oh no. So I went through all of that mercury poisoning for nothing. Dun dun dun. (laughs) So that's my story. You should not fear it that much. If it happens, handle it. But if it's happened to you before, forget it. Um, that sounds like great advice. A really, really complicated answer to a challenging question. Um, I don't really have a lot to add here. I actually did not think this story was going to be about light bulbs. I was thinking more about fish mm-hmm. and how I just love sushi. And I'm just getting more and more into like risky foods. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really... I, you know, I a little bit worry about eating too much mercury or or just getting food poisoning from eating raw and undercooked foods. And I always see the warning and it like gives me a little chill, but also it's so exciting and so delicious. So why not? I think it's going to be worth it. I think until one of us has a bad mercury experience, we should just keep pushing the limits. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I wonder who it will be.